Hello and welcome to Drafting the Dregs. This is your podcast for all things Draft EPL. Now, it's it's a big week this week. Lots of changes, lots of things going on behind the scenes in the Premier League. Uh, but first, we do have the full complement this week. We've got Mick, we've got Gilby, we've got Dave. It's good to see everybody. Uh, Mick, are there any? Uh, is there any truth to the rumours that you were seen um, or spotted uh, with another manager this week, potentially making plans, um, even staying at their house, things like that, you know, trying to um, maybe climb your way up the leaderboard? Well, the rumours about climbing up the leaderboard are true. Um, oh, right. I believe it was, but uh, it, not even just once, it happened twice. Did happen twice. Um, yeah, it did happen twice. It's just so nice. It happened twice. So, uh, yeah, it did happen this week. Uh, I don't know if there's necessarily been that much uh, co- collusion. I don't know if you'd call it collusion at the moment, particularly uh, when that person has no interest in colluding with me because they're in a very good spot themselves. But uh, it's working for me so far. I'm still moving up, so I like it. Yeah, had a good week this week, which is nice. Uh, Dave, uh, how are we? How are we feeling? Um, are, are Watford's um, games getting you down at all? Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> we obviously went through a very, very tough period of fixtures where we picked up probably more points than I was expecting, and then we've got what could be considered a very easy run into Christmas, and we lost. So, yep. Typical Watford. I mean, I was listening to um, the Guardian Football Weekly and they were talking about, oh, just how bad Watford are going. And I thought, no, hang on, didn't they beat Liverpool not so long ago? And it probably wasn't not lo- probably wasn't that long ago, but the fact that we've had so many fixtures between them has to be, I guess, cause for concern, even though Dennis is still hauling points left, right and centre. Yeah, but despite my me trying to um, get Dennis out of... Uh, Dan's tight grip. He's not on my team. So, uh, yeah, terrible for Watford um, or terrible form for Watford. And, yeah, Dennis isn't helping my fantasy team either. So it's just all bad. (laughs) And, Gilby, uh, Manchester United seem to be going in the right direction. Uh, Could we say that things are going in the same direction for you at the moment in the league? Yeah, well, I'm going worse than Watford, and let's leave it at that, shall we? Oh, wow. That's that's not good at all, is it, Dave? No. Thankfully, <laughs> neither Gilby nor Watford are in the relegation zone just yet. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Uh, wouldn't it, be, would it be interesting if we did have a relegation zone in the league? I mean, would would that be added pressure for any anyone at this point in time, do we think? I mean, we wouldn't have woken the dragon that is Nathan if that was the case. True. I feel like the fact that we've called him out for perennially being in the relegation zone, now suddenly he's... Uh, I don't want to go so far as to say he suddenly cares, but you could. You, I think there's no doubt that he's trying a hell of a lot harder because we've all said that as long as we beat Nathan, it's fine. I think the the juggernaut that now is Nathan is probably our fault. Um, if Yeah, if, if I'm honest, that's probably down to us. So 100%. there you go. There you go. Very nice. Well, boys, let's maybe talk about our moments of the week. Um, the, you know, there was a, a fair amount to, to to look at in the Premier League, but Dave, I know yours is actually outside of the Premier League this week. Yep, it sure is. Uh, I was contemplating discussing all things Formula One because I was up till 
1am in the morning before trying to go to sleep very, very angry, but I'll leave that one alone. Uh, my moment of the week, it happens every year. I love it. Uh, Real Batiste in their home game just before Christmas, all the fans throw soft, fluffy stuffed toys onto the field. They're all collected up and given to less fortunate kids. Um, to get me thinking, though, what would it be like if that happened in Australia? What would be thrown from the stands? Boys, any ideas? Well, I was yeah. just going to say, we're uh, we're all, I guess, Queenslanders. I wouldn't necessarily say we're all Brisbane Raw fans. I know a few of us have been to Grand Finals, but I guess token Brisbane Raw fans, if nothing else. But um, I did just see that one of the supporters group, the Raw Supporters Federation, has actually tried to, I guess, copy that same thing. Um, we've got a double header this weekend, the women's and then the men's, and they're trying to organize it to happen between the two. They get trying to get volunteers to pick it up. So you say, will it happen? I'd love to see it happen. It'd be a great thing, particularly if the Raw were the one to bring it in. But I reckon you're more likely to see uh, the beer snakes that get built when security comes around and tries to get rid of them. That's what is more likely to be thrown onto the field, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I think you're right some, there, Mick. I'm hoping some maybe frozen meat pies. Yeah, I mean, you can get the hot stuff from from in the stands, obviously, but, you know, just to be able to keep them for those people who are in need, just a, a good old frozen family meat pie would be uh, a good start. Cool. <laughs> Excellent. Very nice. I was hoping someone else would jump in there with something, but, hey, that's all right. Uh, Mick, let's move on to you. Moment of the week. What have you got for us? I mean, i got a couple of a little ones. I don't even really know which one my major, main one's going to be, but... Firstly, I was just having a quick look at last round. Only one away team won. There was only one draw, nil all, and only one away team won. Yes, there was only nine games, so found that a little bit interesting. Um, If you look at the teams, though, it may not be that surprising because the stronger teams were generally at home. Um, My second one I wanted to point out is I'm now within 100 at the top. That's a pretty big moment for myself personally, so that's one. Um, But again, I'm going to stay outside the Premier League, but it does involve some Premier League, but... Did you guys see the UEFA Champions League draw that was on last night? And Which one? The, the first absolute... one, the second one, or the third one? <laughs> and the absolute shit show that was. That was. Now, I don't know. I, I literally just remembered it then, and I said, that is, that, that's that got to be a moment. If I want it, it's got to be brought up. But the whole – now, I, I don't think I even know exactly what happened, but my belief is someone got drawn out. Villarreal got pulled out to play Man U. They were in the same mm. group, so they said, that can't happen but then they weren't replaced properly for future draws. As a result, some people didn't have the opportunity to play who they should have had the opportunity to play, and that's unfair, so then they've redone the whole thing. Is that right? Yep, you're absolutely right, Mick. Um, oh. I don't know who is responsible for that, but I'm pretty certain they'll find a, at least at the very least a strongly worded email in their inbox uh, probably the next morning. Well, I did find it great because now Paris Saint-Germain, who did originally draw Menu, I believe, now have Real Madrid. So I did see a beautiful meme that said you're going to have guys like Casemiro now who are going to foul Messi and have Ramos come over and protect him. It's just not something you ever thought you'd see. So it could be a fun thing to watch. Just humor me for a second. With that draw, is it done digitally or do they actually have like physical balls in, a, in something? They, they actually do grab the balls out of the pot. So they got like pot one, two, three, and so forth. Right. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, like the main thing, all the Premier League teams would be spitting chips because originally Manchester United had a really tough draw, PSG, as Mick said, but all the other three Premier League teams in 
all had relatively kind draws and they've now been replaced by pretty tough draws I'd say for all of them with the probable probable exception of Man City who've drawn Sporting Lisbon um so you would say they'd be going through but um Liverpool drawn Inter which like Inter have been going pretty well really um Manchester United have Atletico Madrid now um so that's going to be a tough one and Chelsea you've got a pretty kind draw probably the kindest of all of them you'd say probably um they've drawn Lille so I'd say Chelsea and Man City are definitely going through. Liverpool are favourites, but it wouldn't be a shock. Um, Madrid and Manchester United, uh, depends which team of either Madrid or Manchester United turns up, because um, Diego Simeone's teams have always famously been strong in defence, but they haven't really been that great so far this season. No, fair enough. Well, you mentioned a few teams there, Gilby. Uh, How... How have um, Ajax, who have they drawn, do you know, off the top of your head? Or have they drawn favourably? They have. They've got Benfica, uh, which oh, is okay. yeah. arguably, that's, that's that's a pretty nice. good draw. So I'd say they would be the favourites to go through. So yeah. the only other mention, the other, other ones we haven't mentioned, um, Red Bull Salzburg, uh, well, sorry, Racing Ball Sport Salzburg um, drew Bayern, um, and Villarreal has Juventus. So... Um, I'd say mm. there's pr- there's probably a clear favourite in most of those matches. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be some interesting. Um, it's going to be some interesting quarterfinals, I think, after this one. Well, unfortunately, I haven't actually watched any Champions League, but from all reports, Ajax have been amazing and a bit of a smoky, a bit of a dark horse. And I know from listening to um the the Guardian Football podcast, uh, they have a, a particular society called the Sebastian Haller is terrific society. So if you just spell that out for a second, boys, uh, think, think about what the acronym for that would be. It's sort of, uh, you know, gives you everything you need to know. Oh, Dave got it. There we go. He's, he's on, he's on. <laughs> so yes, Dave, anything? Oh, no, I was just no? okay. waiting till you finished. And then I was going to ask the question. So, uh, how, how did Barcelona draw this year? <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, we're gonna have to go to the Europa League draw for that one, <laughs> and they only just scraped into that. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's uh, good news for a lot of people. I think to be to be fair, that'll be that'll be nice. Um, Gilby, moment of the week. What have you got for us? Yeah, well, I mean, other than me more or less throwing my phone out the window again on Sunday morning um, when I had a look at my review of the round. Um, I had a look back through it, and this has been a pretty weird season for a whole range of reasons, but then I had a look at it. Um, I don't know this would have ever happened before where two of the top three point scorers so far are both defenders, and then four out of the top ten, uh, five out of the top ten now are defenders as well. So it has been a really good season so far for the defenders. Um, with the first striker, I would never have picked, I don't think even Dave, our Watford fan, would have picked that the top striker in fantasy is Emmanuel Dennis from Watford. So it has not been a great season for the strikers. It's been a very, very good season for the defenders, particularly the more attacking ones. I always find that a bit strange. I'll just sorry, jump in there, Isaac. So you look at a guy like Mane... Sterling, Salah, they're wingers, right? So they get classified as mids. Look at a guy like Gabriel Jesus. This year, he's been playing more as that right winger role, less of that striker. 
And I know Aubameyang previous couple of years has kind of bounced in between mid and forward. I think in the last two years, he's been more of that out-and-out striker, so that's fair enough. But is a guy like Jesus likely to get reclassified next year to a mid, assuming he's still in the league? It's a bit of a grey area, I find, wingers. Like, they should be forwards. I guess they're practically forwards, but they're not counted as forwards. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a weird one as to what happens there. Yeah, I'm not sure what the criteria is for making that decision. Um, I don't know if there's an official thing about positions you play or number of minutes or whatever it is. Um, but I know that is often a contentious point with a lot of people where the mid group, I suppose, they probably look at it with forcing us to pick five mids as opposed to three forwards. Maybe that's a criteria or that's a factor in it. But yeah, it's always an interesting one. Um, classifying Salah in the same group as someone like Rodrigo or Fred. So yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one. And I think it sort of it, it sort of speaks to the fact that maybe some of these more defensive-minded midfielders should be getting points for blocks and 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 you know completed passes and things like that, where that, that's how they're affecting the game. Like Salah's affecting the game because he is able to score goals and assist, but those other guys are affecting the game by those thing, those defensive things that they do. So I feel like they should be, uh, there should be some provisions for points for for those sort of statistics. I think that's why a lot of people do play the fan tracks style point yeah. system. Um, we obviously tried that one season. A few of us thought it was good. A few of us thought it was bit more difficult i personally uh i like the concept but there's just far much far more information available around the official scoring and you know during periods where we all have periods where we just don't have the time to put into research it makes it very hard doing it that way but yeah 100 percent agree that Mm. your defensive midfielders don't get rewarded um someone like Kante, right? Okay, so he hasn't played a huge amount this season, but going back over the last five years, arguably one of the top five players in the Premier League um, with everything he's done, even going back to when Leicester uh, won the title. But he's just not a fantasy asset because he doesn't get rewarded for that effort. Mm. And I guess if he did, there'd be a big flow-on effect because all of a sudden Kante becomes a $10 million midfielder, right? Because of those points that he would pick up um, in those other statistics where he's getting now fantasy points. So I, I guess that there's a big flow-on effect there. And then when you're trying to create a squad and you've got so many more players who are like, you know, have crazy um, high values, well, how do you then... It makes it even more difficult to actually put a squad together um, in that sense. So I guess there's there's that flawed effect that they'd have to consider if they were going down that road. Yeah, and I think that's why they brought in the bonus points for the this game, the the three two one, which is based on those other I guess statistical categories you were talking about. Mm. Um so that that's why they brought those in for that. But I, I feel like it's worked well for defenders. So you can have a defender that keeps a clean sheet actually get the three points ahead of player who's got a goal and an assist attacking returns but it just doesn't work for the defensive midfielders so they're they're the forgotten players in all of this so um unless it's a nil all draw but then even then there's a massive return for a defender somewhere and they get all the bonus points um so 
it's I can see what they've tried to do, uh, but like you said, it would change the way a guy like Kante is viewed. Um, but and like Dave said, that there's groups out there that have completely changed and altered their own, created their own scoring system that they refer to as Kante points with blocks, interceptions, and tackles purely to, I guess, give some credit to a guy like that who you could argue was the most influential player in the title run for Leicester. Mm. Vardy may have something to say about that, but Mares um, as well. But yeah, Mares as well. But right up there. I almost guarantee you wouldn't. Have, there was less players in the world that could have replaced what Kante did for that team than there is what could have done for Mares or Vardy. Yeah. Kante was irreplaceable. The other two, yeah. But anyway, getting off topic there. But well, yeah, I think it'd be good to be able to have some kind of, um, I guess, benefit to those types of players. But like you said, it would change the game too much. I think there's times, and we'll probably talk about it at some point this pod where when games unexpectedly don't go ahead, it's still nice to have that player that'll get two, maybe three points coming off your bench. There is definitely value in that. Yeah. Um, a guy like Jorginho right now plays that role, has a slightly different role with penalties, but he's a guy that generally sits around free in our uh, league, but I think he's been picked up and he'll be in and out of teams while he's on penalty duties. Yeah. And I, I guess maybe for the draft game in particular, a point scoring system that's a little bit more flexible like that would be awesome. And I guess that's why fan tracks have gone down that road and you can do it within that sort of system. But even, you know, the official game, that'd, that'd be really cool because it, it opens up more possibilities. Um, it gives more potential for points in other areas, uh, makes different assets more valuable in the, in the draft system, which would be really cool. Otherwise, you just get the situation where a guy like Jorginho, he's not getting fantasy bonus points unless he scores two penalties as he did this week. Um, and that segues beautifully into my moment of the week because mine is the fact that um, I believe there was eight or so penalties given um, in this particular game week, which is you know a, quite a high amount in comparison to other game weeks this year. Um, I can't recall a time when I've seen eight penalties or so been, been given. And I think there was three or four of them that you know actually decided a game as well. So you know they were really big calls to make. Um, so... And they also differed greatly from, you know, people getting kicked, which, you know, is very much a penalty, to some very soft sort of oh, hand on the shoulder. Someone goes down, even though they're not really impeded. Um, uh, you know, just a really big variety there. So I thought that that was interesting that uh, penalties, even with VAR and things where they and changes to the rules where they thought they might be more difficult to give, uh, there was still eight this week. And uh, some of them were pretty crucial in the context of a lot of games. So I thought that was very interesting to see. Um, now, boys, Mick, Multi, how did you go last week? Considering it wasn't one of your moments of the week, I'm going to say maybe poorly. What do you reckon, Mick? You were close with one of your... Well, you were on the, on the mark with one of your calls, which was about Nathan, which we'll get to. Yeah. But otherwise, Ooh, how do we go? It took me a while. I remember what it was. Well done. Um, do I have to talk about it? I'm just now realizing that it was a three-leg multi. Um, and I got zero of them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, to I all our it, listeners who are, who are banking on uh, your, your multi every week, it, it's not going well. Well, I mean, to their benefit, they didn't hear it and they couldn't have put money on it because it didn't come out in time. So thanks, Isaac. You're saving everyone money. <laughs> that's very true. That's 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 my awesome planning. Um, so I think I had Watford-Brentford game. I had Watford to win, Josh King to score first and a draw at halftime. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, Watford led at halftime, so they were winning. There's something. Um, and it was only an, an 83rd and a 95th minute um, goals to Brentford that turned the tide. So kind of a, a late swing in the opposite direction there. Now, I'm having a quick look, and it was a 95th minute penalty, which goes mm-hmm. back to what you just said about that. So Embuemo not hitting the post, as far as I'm aware, but going and scoring a goal. <laughs> um, Amazing. So that's that, and it looks looks. You look at the expected goals, and it was one point eight three to zero point five six. Take out the penalty, which I honestly wouldn't have a clue what the penalty was for, whether it was just and deserved. Oh, it was or not. stupid. <laughs> Trista Kong, one of the uh, Watford defenders, had his um, Lucas Neal moment. Got nowhere near the ball, slid in, gave away a clear penalty at one all in the ninety fifth minute. And uh, Ranieri's come out in the media and said that he is seriously considering dropping him because of his stupidity. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, when, when Brentford create 1.83, I guess, goal, I don't know if you call it expected goals or chances, but 1.83 goals worth of chances um, and 0.76 of that is what the penalty is, it was relatively close up to that point. It was half a goal in it, so close. Um, and Watford did lead for a long time. Now, Josh King didn't get on the score sheet. Dennis scored again. Um, I think I was banking on the fact that King has a really good underlying stats and is on penalty duties and has a lot to him. So in fantasy-wise, I think he's almost in the in the uh, paid game in terms of paid budget-wise, in the budget game. A lot of people are leaning towards him just because he... There's a lot more to like in underlying stats and less rotation risk with King. But Dennis just keeps performing. So I also had a draw at halftime. Watford to win the final. It was Watford to win at halftime, and it was a Brentford win in the final. So, yeah, not, not, not a whole lot happening there. But I'll see what I can come up with. And I believe it's a double game week, so I have to come up with two this week. Two things I can get wrong. <laughs> I mean, you've done it before, Mick, so I think you'll be okay. Um, Pretty good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, this leads us beautifully into the waiver wire. Now, boys, we'll we'll do the waiver wire, talk a little bit about a few things. Um, I do have a brand new segment, which I've just thought of. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, Gilby, waiver wire, let's get started with that. Okay, so double waiver wire for us this time because we're also going to quickly talk about the moves we've made in preparation for round 17, which locks off really early tomorrow morning our time um, because we're recording this on a Tuesday night here in Australia. Um, So for round 16, Ben dropped Hoiberg for Gray. And we already talked about Gray last week with a few managers, um, one in particular who really regretted missing out and going with the wrong Everton player. Um, But Gray massively overachieving his XG. Will that continue? Interesting one. But you definitely say an upgrade on the defensive midfielder from Spurs that did not play, given Spurs a postpone. So definitely a good move from Ben there. Den was next, dropping Pope for Saar, swapping a Burnley goalkeeper for a Wolves goalkeeper, which I thought was very interesting, given that Wolves are about to have a horrible run of fixtures. Um, and then dropped Janssen, the um, Brentford centre-back, for Ben Mee from Burnley as well. Um, again, interesting one. Uh, I like Janssen a lot more as an attacking threat from set pieces. Mee, very reliable, but Burnley haven't been as good. Um, and then the final one, which we'll get into, and I wanted to ask Mick what he thought as well. Uh, he dropped Cornet 
for Fred. Um, now, I know we commented a lot on the trade that was done where Dan was really keen to get Cornet from a certain other manager who shall remain nameless. Hello. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> then giving up Cornet for Fred, I think, sums it up. What do you think, Mick? Why did Dan do that? I believe Cornet's injured. Was that happen? Did that yeah. happen after that? Yeah, Cornet is injured, yeah. so Before we'll, it, we'll yeah. give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit. But, yeah, I think that about sums up the value of that trade for Dan. So, next was Dave. You dropped stones, kind of lost patience a little bit with that, and went for Dallow from Manchester United. What are we thinking there, Dave? In. Yeah, I, it wasn't lost patience by any means. When I brought stones in... That was when Laporte was out and I knew that Stones was a short-term option until Laporte came back and Stones inevitably lost his spot. So that was always a planned move to bring him in short-term. Cool. All right. And your other move was dropping Leon Bailey for Suchek. Um, again, I suppose the fact that Bailey has been in and Shit. out at in and out at best <laughs> is probably about summing it up there, Dave, looking for just more solid... <laughs> contributor yeah and uh, sorry. Oh. sorry i'm just dying over here probably covid um <laughs> what was i gonna say west ham have decent fixtures coming up as well yep all right so then mick dropped lamptey who's been playing out of position up front as a right winger which he wasn't even aware of at the time he dropped him which i kind of gave away for him last week but he's been playing right wing for brighton and then brought in lindelof so just the covid related concern there mick for the missing out that round and then hoping you pick the right manchester United defender yeah i mean lindelof had been playing pretty consistently up to that point um I think they had a, a good matchup. Honestly, I can't even remember who they played, but they had a good matchup in who they were playing and that the run of fixtures that Man United had looked really good. So I was like, well, I can pick him up short term and Lamptey was out. I knew that game wasn't, I'm pretty sure we knew that game wasn't happening and I just needed to have that extra player. Worked out relatively well. Yes, it's, I mean, it got me six points in the short term. Um, he did then get subbed off. So Part of me did kind of hope Manchester United conceded late because I would get the clean sheet and no one else would, but it didn't happen that way. I'll still take the six points while it was there. Um, but yeah, it had some chest issues. And I'm not really sure what the go is there. I think they've cleared him of any anything major, but it had some level of chest pain. and So I don't know what's going to happen. With, with Varane coming back and them now not playing this week, it's, I guess, closer to him coming back. And I dare say with Maguire being the club captain, I believe, or he was at least, mm. um, the set there... Main centre back bearing is going to be Maguire and Varane. So Lindelof will get dropped at some point. There's a few other Manchester United options out there as well. So I thought he was um, he's a short term good option, but something that I can drop and not worry too much about. So that was a short term one there. Yep. Um, Jeff was next dropping Taylor and Pinnock and then bringing in a double Arsenal defence of Ben White and Nuno Tavares. Um, again, we've already talked about this um, a few times on the podcast where Jeff really favours those top six teams or top six teams from the past in Arsenal's case. So bringing in a bit of a double Arsenal defence there may work out. Just depends on how that one goes. Always Just, a little bit questionable. I've got him here as he dropped... Tavares for White. Have I got that right? 
and then maybe he dropped. Ah, oh, sorry, dropped yeah. Taylor for Pinnock and dropped and then dropped Taylor for yeah. Pinnock. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So okay, so there we go. So. Um, a more reliable Arsenal defender in that case. I know Tavares was in and out of the team with Tierney now back. Um, so, yeah, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one now. Um, I was next. I kind of forced into dropping Dyer and Cucurella because they were both missing out due to the COVID situation and brought in Do- Dawson and Consa and then dropped Cooper for Tarek Mitchell, your boy from Palace, um, Isaac. You. So I know Palace has looked pretty good, uh, particularly... Um, defensively, they look pretty good, except for a few last-minute goals, which you've already mentioned a couple of times. Um, what have you thought of Tyrant Mitchell? I think he's looked pretty good on that left-hand side. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, that uh, him and uh, Zahar have worked quite well together. Obviously, Zahar's still the main man in attack, but you know, when required, Mitchell is able to you know get that whip that ball into the. In, into the a good area and and potentially get some attacking returns from that. So, um, yeah, he's he's been in a good one. He's been another sort of uh, one from the academy uh, where Juan Basaka sort of got his start as well. Um, so I expect that Man United will pay overs for him in the coming in the near future. Definite possibility. And then um, Isaac was next. Um, you dropped a Palace favourite Guai for yep. Alex Tellez. Mm. Um, again, looking for that short-term transfer move that you've become famous for so far this season. Yeah, it worked for me as well, um, which we'll get to a little bit later. But yeah, basically, um, I felt like I'd got everything out of Guahi, um, and you know he'd got me some good returns in the last few weeks, and I was pretty comfortable dropping him for a player who I know is really attacking, who was going to get a start uh, in the new Manchester United sort of system, um, and yeah, hopeful to get some more points that way. And then you drop Lucas Mora for Hakim Ziyech. So, yeah. so that was yeah, the one I was, had a question on. No, and that's fair enough too. I was I was going for a speculative one there. Obviously, Mora wasn't playing, and I wanted someone who was. I went with Ziyech because he didn't play mid. He didn't play uh, in the Champions League game. I don't think. So I thought, oh, there's a chance that he'll come in, he'll play. And he's looked pretty good when he has. He's got good underlying stats. So I went with it. Uh, and unfortunately, he didn't didn't play. So it didn't work out for me. Again, just just looking to pick up some points. If I'd kept Mora, I would have still got zero points. The unfortunate thing is now that somebody else, you know, can potentially pick him up, which I know has happened. Um, but hey, I'll wear that. That's okay. Yeah, I think you've probably got some room to move there with a few points that you can afford to give up um so then moving to <laughs> oh, can i seven. can i give me <laughs> yeah yeah well you've definitely got a few good transfer moves where you've got been able to reap the benefits so if one goes against you i think that's about fair um so next round 17 uh dan dropped broja the southampton attacker for lacazette um it does look like lacazette may be getting more starts because uh teta came out and said that the reason Aubameyang was dropped from the match day squad entirely was purely disciplinary. Um, and he even mentioned the fact that it's really disappointing it had to happen to our club captain, which is not good at all for my team because Aubameyang is still one of the strikers in my team. Mick, what do you think? I, I read something there. One, I think it was a journalist for The Athletic, possibly. He came out and tries to explain what it was. And I believe Aubameyang went back to France to look after mm-hmm. his sick mum or help her out with something. But on his return, he took a COVID test, tested negative, but something about the, the protocol or the way the test had to be conducted or when wasn't to their liking. 
So when he turned up to train, Arteta said, no, that's not how we do it, and then sent him away. Now, I'm sure there's more to that that I'm missing. I heard he came back late. Came well. back late, okay. So maybe that's he what came I heard, back I late know. and didn't tell them. and then. Um, but there was also, I think, a protocol mix-up in the way the testing was done. But it's it, even if that is it, to purely put it down to disciplinary reason and not to say, look, we knew he was away for this and this, but there's a lack of communication as a result we've done this. Just, just purely say disciplinary and give no other reason. I think that's a... Arteta's walking a fine line. He, he's pushing buttons and he's making Ooh. himself a, a target, I think, for Arsenal fans. And you never know, the board could be after him after that. Dave, have you got some breaking news there? No, but I was just going to add. There you go. All right. Breaking news is good. Just wanted to, yeah, I, I also read Isaac that he'd been allowed to go to France and he came back a day later than what was expected. Uh, it's apparently not the first time this has happened. Uh, but the extra bit of info that I have is there is apparently a photo doing the rounds of him in a tattoo parlor getting a tattoo at the time that he was supposed to have been uh, back or, you know, part of that overlap period as well. So that may also be a part of it. But I maybe Isaac's right. got the breaking news. I reckon you might be right, Dave. Well, I was just going to say around that, like... Uh, there's guys you want your dressing room to help lead younger players. He doesn't seem like he's maybe one of them at this point in time. And because of that, the breaking news that has come out literally 30 seconds ago uh, is that Aubameyang has been stripped of the Arsenal captaincy. So he's obviously not uh I don't think he even should have been person. captain in the first place. But no, probably anyway. Probably more importantly for this sake, he has also they've announced he will not be available against West Ham. So I don't know, Gilby, if that changes your plan. We'd already spoken to you pre about what your plans were, but is that going to force your hand he'll, to maybe <clears throat> change your strikers up? He'll, he'll hold on to him. He's held on to DCL for how many weeks? <laughs> Gilby yeah, yeah, cannot yeah. let go. <laughs> well, he'll come we'll, good. Uh, we'll wait and see on that one. <laughs> so, Gilby's tried and tested 3-3-1 formation this week. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to All that. Right. So Dave is next. You dropped Edward from Palace for our old fantasy hero Ings. Um, what were we thinking with that one, Dave? Lost patience. <laughs> Short yep, and sweet no. of it. I mean, Edward... he did score two points this week as opposed to Ings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, well. I mean, Ings is one of those <laughs> ones where when he plays, he is going to be more dangerous than Edward. You probably would have to say. I think even our Palace fan Isaac would probably agree there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Edward may pop up with a goal, but I do think yeah. Ings is probably the more Ed- likely to. Edward's Edward's been filling sort of holes at the moment and sort of been um, playing across the front three. Obviously, he's ideally wanted to play a striker, but he's sort of I think. Uh, Vieira is sort of using him at the moment to fill in some spaces, um, you know, especially through this period. So I've got no doubt he'll he'll get a more of a run as a centre forward. But um, once they run out of patience with Benteke missing goals off right and centre, so he just has to wait for that opportunity. Yeah, and I couldn't afford to just sit on two strikers that are not regularly getting attacking returns. Um, I'm still fan of Tony I still think he has goals in him um, and I think that even though Tony and Eduard have both been doing little uh, Tony's been uh, I guess the more likely so he survived the chop Eduard did not 
Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, I did like the move. Um, Jeff was next. He dropped Hudson Odoi for Jorginho. Um, again, going for those premium players and great time to bring him in with the penalties that he scored. Um, I was next. I dropped Townsend for Lucas Moura. Um, having a look at how badly Everton played and hoping that Moura might seal that right wing spot for Spurs under Conte. Um, hoping that continues there. Um, Isaac, you were next, dropping Ziek for Majin, um, who's looked okay, really, but played more of like a box-to-box kind of holding role for Villa. Um, so what are we thinking there? Like just the reliable points, looking for that like reliable player? Um, I like the fixtures that they've got. Um, and I think that he still has that... Um, he can score really good goals. So even though he's that box box, yeah, he can he can sort of score some good goals. So I'm just yeah, hoping that maybe he does that next couple of weeks. Yeah, I like the move. I thought it was an upgrade on Ziyech in any McGinn's, case. McGinn's actually their most creative player for Villa. So if you look at their expected assists, McGinn's actually their most creative with two point four nine and he's only had two so far. So hmm. um so yeah, I can see what you're saying there in terms of just simple points, but with good fixtures, you Danny Ing- a fit Danny Ings and a fit Ollie Watkins, he could be a, a good pickup. Yeah, I definitely knew that. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I mean, on your previous record of transfers, just wait for um Z like um agenda then score three bangers next week, and then me who looks at all the numbers to then watch all my players underscore xg by five. So it, anyway, it's, fingers it's crossed. Like numbers don't lie or something. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Gilby's um, not salty at all. No, of course not. Um, Dan was next. He also tried for Jorginho. Uh, Dan, being a Chelsea fan, may have influenced that as well. Um, but then he had to settle for dropping Pontus Janssen for bringing in your friend um, from Palace, Gouai. Um, did Janssen score a bunch of points just recently? Yes, oh, he did. Him. So the Dan curse does continue. Um, Dave okay. was another one who tried for Jorginho, um, but he settled for dropping Norgard for Fabinho. So Fabinho, probably that classic three-point every week player, if ever there was one. So is that what you're wanting out of that one, Dave? Uh, no, but it was the best available option. <laughs> I, I do have, uh, probably in the past, I have tended to go conservative and go for the players that are the, you know, the three point players as opposed to high variance rotation risks. Uh, I am starting to think that that may be the wrong way to go. And then I do need some more risk in my team. And I was tossing up uh, getting Tiago in instead, but I had a look at his minutes and that is just way too much risk. Uh, Fabinho is absolutely not risky, very low variance, but there were no high variance risky players available. Um, so no, it was not ideal, but better than Norgard. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I'll probably, um, a like for like swap there really um norgard probably is a bit more attacking than fabinho but obviously fabinho plays in a far stronger team so like for like really there um jeff was next dropping pinnock for dyer um who i had for a long time but had to give up the other week for covid so probably a good swap there you'd say um but 
it'll make a bit more sense a bit later on when I get to free agents. Um, I was next. I dropped Dawson for Davies. Um, I had a look at West Ham, and it looks like um, Zuma is going to come back pretty soon. And I did want a piece of the Tottenham defence under Conte. Um, so I had Davies first ahead of Dyer actually, as my pick, because um, Davies has been a little bit more attacking. So I was pretty happy with that one. Um, Isaac, you have dropped Samikas and not going with the handcuff anymore, and yep. you brought in Mings. Uh, you already mentioned yep. Villa's fixtures. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at that one, and you're happy with Robertson that he's going to be solid enough that he doesn't require the handcuff? I think so, um, and I'm looking at just making sure I've got players who I think are going to play. So either way, even if um, Robertson... Sorry. Let me start that thought again. He, one of the two was going to play. I'd rather have two players that I think are going to play at this point in time, considering how the fixtures are looking. Um, and Mings is like ready for another big double points haul. He hasn't had one in a few weeks, uh, and that's pretty much all he gets. Otherwise, he gets nothing. So, hey, why won't it happen this week? Yeah, I mean, I really like the move, particularly the Christmas period when it's going to be a mess um, of fixtures everywhere and with COVID coming back, obviously going to be interesting. And the deeper your bench goes, the handier that could have, that is going to be. So then on the free agents, Jeff must have changed his mind. He proceeded to drop <laughs> Dyer immediately to bring in Connor Cody from Wolves. Um, he has liked the Wolves defenders in the past. Um, but Wolves have a pretty rough run of fixtures coming up. They have looked a bit more solid these last few weeks, though, so could pay off. Cody, probably far more likely to score a goal than Dyer, so we'll give him that one. Um, Mick immediately dropping Lindelof, who you mentioned just before, uh, for Cucurella from Brighton that I had in my team for a very long time that I really liked. So what was the reasoning there, Mick? Yeah, And why didn't you go Um, Lempty, just out of interest? I, I considered the two. Um, I think the reason I dropped Lindelof is yes, he has that chest injury, but also their game's been postponed. So he's definitely got no game this week. Um, with this COVID thing going around and games getting postponed, I think it's best to have as many playing players as possible. Um, if you are carrying one or two players that aren't, well, you're going to be in a a pretty awful position that you're going to have, I guess, not be able to fill the full team, which has happened to, I think pretty much everyone so far this year, at least once once yep. or twice yeah uh, it's going to happen but if we can do if if you have some kind of insight going in okay well that's it and i don't think lindelof i don't think there's that much variance between him and the next best best available defender um so i think i don't think i'm going to be losing too much seeing as i only picked him up a week ago um in terms of dropping him now in terms of getting dire i uh, sorry not dire in terms of getting cucarella over lenty that's i do like lenty but for those reasons I just said, I think Cucurella's more nailed on and guaranteed to get two points than Lamptey is. I think Lamptey could get five, six with an assist slash goal. Um, they're both going to get the same clean sheet, so that makes no difference. But Lamptey's more likely to get a one. So I think that's my reasoning now. I, yes, I'm, I'm giving up the slight attacking return advantage of Lamptey to get the guaranteed two points each week as long as he plays now. And I'm well well aware that you might turn around now and not play. Um, and if that happens, it happens. But I think, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I think I just want those extra two points and guaranteed minutes at the moment. 
yeah, yeah, definitely a good reason for it. And again, I'd imagine that's probably the reason for your next one where you dropped Fernandez for Pope. Um, same reason there, just looking for a goalkeeper that's going to play. Yeah, um, I had, I had, uh, who was the other? Uh, Tim Krul against Villa, I believe, um, was the other game. And it, it's not the worst matchup. Since Dean Smith's coming to Norwich, Norwich have been a hell of a lot better. So I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. But I had a look at the available goalkeepers and I saw Pope there. And West Ham have been really good this year. And Burnley kept him kept them to nil, kept a clean sheet. Pope got bonus points as well. Um, so he would have got something like nine points, if not more, with saves. I'm not exactly sure. You, you weren't um, tempted by Willie so Caballero for Southampton? Just come in? Fresh? Ready to go? Mm, not really. <laughs> um, if I'm completely honest, he's low down the list because he hasn't scored many points, so I didn't even notice he was there. Um, and I mean, with goalkeepers, you basically just filter by who's available. You look at the top four, and that's the three, four you look at. You don't really look below that, so... <laughs> Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I didn't even consider him. I love myself a 40-year-old goalkeeper in the Premier League. I think that's going to work out really well for everybody. Well, they, that is purely injury. I know, um, I know. Forced, so. And that's the other thing is that would only be short-term and then I might miss out. So I saw Pope there and I said, well, Burnley are a good defensive team. He's been in good form. Um, I think it gives me an option to bounce around. And uh, I didn't do too much looking this time into how the, the two match up, but I thought it was a good matchup this week, so I went with it. Yeah, well, you beat me by about 10 minutes because um, I didn't have a chance at the time to get on and check because I have the Brighton goalkeeper um, and the... Who's my other goalkeeper? Leeds goalkeeper. And with the COVID fixtures, I thought, okay, might need to make a move here, but yeah, you beat me by that one. So, Billy Caballero is available. Uh, <laughs> that's great. He will stay available. <laughs> okay. um, so I was next. I am... It was a painful one. I hate dropping Manchester United players, but I really had to, given the situation we're in. Um, I dropped Luke Shaw. Or being to... terrible. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yes, yeah, that too. <laughs> um, uh, we dropped Luke Shaw for Target. Um, I have now have a double up on the Villa I think defense. you mean Target. Uh, yes, of course. Um, <laughs> and then... Um, I just as we speak, I had another look at the strikers and... Now it's confirmed he's actually going to miss. Had the club caps he's stripped. I've decided to drop Aubameyang for Ooh. Wood from Burnley. Wow. So knowing, knowing my luck with transfers so far, Aubameyang will proceed to score a hat-trick in a couple of weeks' time and get the captaincy back, and Wood will get injured in the first five minutes. I did Firstly, I did find it strange. They haven't announced who the new captain would be. Um, I'm assuming if he's fit, Granite Xhaka would probably be up oh. there. I shut up. I know that's that's a shudder, isn't it? <laughs> um, but you can't give it to Lacazette. You can't. They're quite young. Um, Burn. Uh, You'd think Burn, maybe Gabriel or White or something. I was like going to say maybe. a Ben White, maybe. They're, they're uh, such a young team. I just I don't actually know. Who, I go Gabriel in their in their back line. T- Thomas Party. Oh, but he wants to party all the time. I mean, to be fair, I reckon one Sorry. of their best options might actually be Kieran Tierney. It's, but, he's injured every other week. <laughs> well, that's true. But he's he used to captain Celtic. If I'm, I, I could be very wrong, but I'm pretty sure he, he at least he played for Celtic for years, so he could be an option there. Um, but they don't really have a number of out there just 
asking f- for captaincy players. Um, but what, that's actually not why I wanted to say something. Is I, in the transfers for or the waivers for week sixteen, did it even get mentioned that I dropped Wood? I must have missed it. That I picked up Bobby Firmino for Wood. Uh, oh, it wasn't, but that is true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I missed that one. I was right, going to so, say, I, I, yeah, thank, I, now thank that I think about it, I, I expected a question on that. I didn't even notice about it. But, um, yeah, I just, when you mentioned Wood, saw it there. So I just thought, yeah, it's interesting. But Wood's done nothing. Yes, he's been playing. He's a playing striker, which, hey, that's a good thing, right? Um, you're more likely to score a goal when you're actually playing. So, <laughs> and I well, dropped I look, it I looked to it. pick up Firmino, so. Yeah, well, I mean, what? Um, well, on that then, why did you do that then? So why did you go with Firmino? I did it, like I said, he hasn't been scoring. Um, Burnley have been looking better. Burnley do have a lot of striking options. They've got Ashley Barnes, Wood, Vidra, um, Jay Rodriguez, Cornet when he's fit. There's five. Now, I realize Barnes has been injured all year. I don't think he's started a game. If he has, it'd be less than a handful. Vidra never has shown enough to be considered a top-flight Premier League striker. Um, he can do a job. He's a bit like Dwight Gale, one of those guys that comes in, might do a couple of things. Someone has a go at him. They get some regular game time and then does nothing again. Um, Jay Rodriguez, I, I don't, don't quite understand why he's not getting more game time, whether it's injury or what it is. So Chris Wood's kind of there, but I think it's more the way that they play him. He, he's that hold-up player. He... He allows them to play higher up the field. He doesn't actually get involved that much. And I think I'm kind of, it kind of goes against what I've said before in terms of trying to protect myself from having someone that doesn't play. But I had read before that, that Firmino had trained all week and he's close to a return. Um, I Obviously, AFCON's coming up. So the both wingers are gone. Jota was carrying an injury at the time. And Origi's never really kind of, seemed like he's in Klopp's plans. He'll play here and there, kind of purely to rotate, but it's not like he's willing to give him a run of games where he says, you're my striker. So one of those where I'm kind of trying to get ahead of the game a little bit. Um, If he can get any game time, and I I don't think he's going to start this week. I've got him on my bench. He is my second bench player. But if he gets a point, and if he does come on, it's better than nothing. It's not as good as Chris Wood's two that he's more than likely going to get. Um, but I think in the long run, if I can hold on to him, it means I have Ronaldo, Jesus, and Firmino. That's a, even though the forwards aren't great this year, it's a pot- potentially high-scoring front line. Um, and I do say that with Firmino being the best defender in a front line ever. But yes, he can in a good attacking team. You know, he can pop up here and there with a goal and assist. Yeah, no, I mean, I just looked at it from the perspective I was planning on in our mid-season draft, I was planning on uh, dropping Aubameyang as one of my strikers anyway. So I was like, that's kind of just brought forward my plans a little bit with the drama that he's had. And I had a look at it and I'm hoping that Wood can cash in because he um, is at home to Watford. So I'm hoping Watford's defensive frailties come to the fore there for me, hopefully. I'm sure Dave will be hoping for that too. Um, and then he's also away to Villa and home to Everton in the last three. So hopefully a good couple of fixtures there and he will get on the board for me, which would be more than any of my strikers has done for the last few months anyway. So on that note, that is the end of all the transactions so it's far, not. unless there's any last oh, minute ones. Oh, it's not. I've, I, I did one just before, Gilby. Um, oh, yeah? 
I brought in Masuyaku for West Ham and dumped Tellers. Interesting. Okay. So you think... Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I can I can see why, because I would say out of the two um, regular right and left backs for Wambasaka and Shaw for Manchester United, I would say that Shaw is the most likely to hold his spot, and Wambasaka is probably the one that's most in danger of losing his spot to Dallow. So I can definitely see why, and particularly given that Manchester United are missing this fixture. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that, I, that, I don't mind that yeah. move at all. That was more the point this week, because I felt... I wanted points, so hey, let's let's make sure I get at least some points as opposed to no points. Masiaku's been playing pretty well, played the last few games and scored good points, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and I just wanted to go back to that one uh, quickly, Isaac. So I dropped um, stones for Dallow, uh, but I was tossing up between Dallow and Teles, uh and the way that I'd structured my transfers was that if I missed out on Dallow, I would pick up Tellez. Uh, and I did it that way purely because of what Gilby said. I think um, that Shaw's more likely to play than Juan Bissaka. Uh, so I want to know what your thoughts were in going for Tellez and whether or not you even considered Dallow and yeah, what your thoughts were there. Uh, I didn't consider Dallow. I actually didn't. It didn't register to me that he would play. To be honest, um, I've had my eye on Tellers for a while. I think I picked him up last year at some point when he first came into the league, knowing how attacking he was. Uh, wherever he came from, he came from a Portuguese side, I think. Um, Porto. Porto. Yep. So I knew how attacking he was. I picked him up for a time. He didn't do anything. He wasn't being played. So I, I pretty much left it at that. When I saw that he was starting to maybe get some game time, I, I because of the background research I'd already done, I had no hesitation in bringing him in. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there with Shaw, because uh, Shaw played the um, the Champions League game midweek, uh, but there was also, I think, 11 changes. Like They changed the whole starting first yeah, team. Yeah, but that was a, a dead rubber, so yeah. that was just to get minutes. So exactly. Yeah, so, the starting position is still up for grabs. Yeah, so I saw that as well. Okay, Tellers is going to start in the Premier League this week, uh, but then as their game was postponed, um, I sort of thought, well, I, I want to make sure I get some points, so I'll make a trade. And look, if it comes down to next week, Tellers is available, and I feel like I want to pick him up, then at least I have the opportunity, unless someone else does before me. Um, but we'll wait and see and see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. well, that was the end of the transactions there. Um, I'm holding the three Manchester United midfielders. Um whether or not that'll work out for me, I don't know, but I'm playing with 10 this week. So, as well, always, let's see how long my luck, run of great luck lasts. Oh, very good. And look, this leads us beautifully into the new segment, and we'll, we'll keep it short and sweet because we do have to go through the last week's round as well. Um, this, The name of this segment is based on one of probably the, I would say the most used memes that gets bandied around our... Um, uh, I already bandied, know where this is going. Do you? Oh, interesting. Banded around our group chat. So this this segment is called Bold Strategy Cotton. Um, uh, one one of a beautiful meme. I absolutely love it. Uh, for those who who know and love dodgeball, you'll understand. Um, basically, I'm just gonna come up with a, a situation, and I would just want everyone's thoughts on what is the best strategy 
for the situation, right? So this one's quite topical because we're all going through this at the moment. So let's say next week, there's three games that are postponed due to COVID. Uh, that's going to impact a lot of teams. It could be that a few t- people have three, four, five, six guys out. What's the best strategy? Do you keep those players? Do you move a lot of them on, bring other people in? I just want to know what people's strategies would be uh, or what you think might be the best thing to do in that situation. Uh, if you agree with the person who went before, you just say, yep, agree, no worries, uh, and we move on, but really just keen to find out what is the best strategy. What is the boldest strategy, Cotton, in that particular situation, Dave? I don't know about the boldest strategy, but the correct one, obviously, is to <laughs> hold on to your players uh, for two reasons. First being, they're in your team anyway, so presumably they're better than anything else available in the long term. Uh, and this kind of along those lines is if you drop them and they're better than what else would otherwise be available, someone else is going to pick them up and get the benefit of the double game week when they do come around. The second reason to hold is because... If you whatever points you miss out on in that current game week by having them not play is minimized uh, somewhat or uh, effectively minimized when compared to our previous scoring strategy. So our previous scoring was done by you know whoever won the round gets whatever it was eight points whoever came second, get seven, and so on and so forth. Um, whereas this is very much just a total points win situation. So there are more points available and in play. So, you know, if I miss out on two points for a player's appearance fee, um, that's not terrible. Okay. Obviously, you did. I mean, this is all new to us. We didn't know this was happening. I did not prepare. No. I think I just blurted all of that out, and I don't know if it made sense. It made well, sense Gil- in my head. Gilby, do you agree? Do you think that actually didn't make sense? It's a bold <laughs> strategy, tell, Dave. I can tell what Dave was thinking. Fuck maybe you, Chuck ex- Norris. <laughs> he maybe didn't explain it that well. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think it's a mix of the two strategies for me. Um, I think in a lot of cases, a hold would be the correct move, particularly in cases where you can't have a like-for-like replacement. Um, So like for me in this case, um, I don't think there's a like-for-like replacement available for Fernandez, Rashford, and Sancho. So I'm prepared to take the hit Obviously. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a whole other story, which continues until Boxing Day at this point. I hear about me, he's free. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what, a, what a turn up that would be. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, when we get to this round score, we'll talk about another move which worked out for another manager um, from my benefit, from from my cost. Um, so I think it's a, a mix of it. You look at, can you bring in someone at least close to what you had? And if you can, great, uh, particularly if you're a bit lower down the table like Mick, um, who you can then afford to make a few moves from a lower position. Um, but 
if you are prepared to hold, like Dave said, I do think it is important to acknowledge the value of having those double game weeks later on. So I would mix it up and look at each player on their merits. I mean, that's pretty much where it's at, but I'd probably be somewhat tempted to be a bit more wheel and deal. And I say that because, like Gilby said, if you are lower on the table, you get first rights at them. So if if you're coming last, for instance, there's no reason not to make that big drop because the way the league works now, I could be wrong with this, but like Jeff, for instance, picked up Dyer, dropped him in the same round. No one is then able to pick up Dyer until the following game week. So, for instance, if I'm coming last, I could drop a Ronaldo who's not playing, picking up another forward, as long as I don't do well enough to move me up into seventh, I have first dibs at Ronaldo. I guess the question is, is you're guaranteed to get one back. If you were to make two or three, what's the quality that other people are going to drop? And... Are they willing to hold a player that may not play? And are you going to benefit from that? So I guess it comes down to that as well. It's it's not necessarily just, is the replacement you're getting better? It's likelihood of you getting them back. And what are other people then going to do with your player? Are they going to hold them, not get points from them? And is that going to help you in the long run? Because if it is, I'd be more willing to drop a Chilwell who's injured. Because if someone's willing to pick him up and hold on to him, and as a result, suffer for their team in the hope that it comes good, well, that's going to help me as well. So does that mean that you would, rather than do a trade um, from the waiver wire, are you saying that you'd possibly just wait until the waiver wire is done and dusted so that you can see who has been dropped and then potentially drop someone in the free agency with that additional information about what might be available next week. Great minds think alike, Dave. That's exactly what I was going to put to you. I hadn't crossed that mind, but if you are coming last, it is something that you can consider knowing that you can pick up someone for that one week turnaround to know, well, I can get him next week. Um, it is like anything else, a risky strategy, particularly with our, our... strategy, Mick. <laughs> There's 15 points, I think 15 or less between seventh and eighth. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of leagues around there that are less. So if you're willing to do that with the chance that you don't get someone else, but I, I guess in, in a single game week, it might be a big difference, but all of those fifth defenders, so to speak, and the best defenders available, is there that much difference between them all? Is there really in the long run? Assuming we're nearly at round 19, where in theory they all have exactly the same fixtures remaining, is there that much difference between them? Why wouldn't you pick up those extra three points now? I'd personally probably be closer and more willing to part. In saying that, if I were in your position, Isaac, with a 60-point lead on second, no. I probably wouldn't be as willing to part. Um, but obviously, like you said, it depends on the, the val- availability of everyone else. If there's great options available, yes, but otherwise I'd hold. Mm. 
yeah, some good things to consider there. I, I agree with you there, Mick. I think it depends on your position in the table as to how aggressive you are with those types of things. Um, but uh, I just like getting points every week. That's that's me personally. So that's why I I got rid of Tellez, bringing in Masayaku. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's an interesting one. So that's that's why I wanted to bring it up. So that's our brand new segment. Uh, that's a bold strategy, Carton. Uh, boys, do we think that's a keeper? Are we are we happy with that that segment? I I am enjoying it, and I want to see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, keep it. Yep. Keeper. It may not be one for every week, but I think uh, you know, as time progresses, there'll be more need to venture down that bold strategy line. So I think that's a good one to look at. So what we might do, boys, we might look at the league as it stands at this point in time. Uh, that's what what everyone's here for. We have to give the people what they want. So uh, in first place, seven hundred eighty-four points, forty-nine points this game week uh, is myself uh, on top. So been able to stay there, which is good. Uh, looking at my team with my defenders that really came through this week, um, Schmeichel with seven points, um, able to get uh, save bonus points and clean sheet bonus points. Uh, first time this season, I've got clean sheet bonus points from him. Uh, Robertson from eight, Tellers in six, Rudiger with nine, Diaz with five, Rafinha with seven, and then it was sort of ones and twos across the board. Mane got the shutout for three, uh, but unfortunately, I didn't have enough on my bench to get any more points. ZH was still on my team for zero, but I got zeros elsewhere. So um, 49 points, I was pretty happy with that. Uh, pretty happy with that overall for the game week. I think it was third or fourth maybe uh, this week, so... Pretty happy to almost reach the 50. Um, uh, and, you know, considering I'm sort of playing the game at the moment, I, I would have loved to have had some, ha- have an awesome striker or two, but the strikers haven't really done anything this term. So, yeah, pretty, pretty happy with that overall um, and happy to, to still be on top um, as we move into the next few rounds. But unless it, no one had any comments about that, everyone's pretty happy. Yeah, well, you moaning about finishing fourth with 49 points is just great to listen to. Oh, look, we'll get to you, Gilby. You'll have your time to moan all you want. So but you can wait one more position this week. <laughs> because... Sit uh, back and relax, Gilby. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, this must be a weird feeling for you, Gilby, not having to either start off or, or come talk about your team second. So, uh, you know, uh, in second place climbing up the leaderboard with 80 points in the game week is Nathan. Nathan is on the charge. So he's actually around about 40 or so points behind, a little bit less than 40 points behind. So he's made up a lot of ground this game week. Um, And that was basically on the back of the fact that nearly all of his guys did super, super well. Um, Ramsdale, 11 points. Laporte, 7. Gabriel, 11. Matip, 7. Cancelo, 7. But he's not playing next game week. He's got a suspension. Um, De Bruyne, good old De Bruyne, one point, just chipping in there for Nathan, which is great. His uh, first round draft pick. And then Gallagher, 15. Barnes, 16. Jimenez, negative two, came off the bench for negative two, and he still scored 80 points. Hang on, uh, hang with on. The... Take a step back. Barnes, six. No, 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 hold on. Hold... No, stop, 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 stop. Oh, I'm, I've right. got a special thing that I'm going to do with uh, that particular person. Um, no, but you said Barnes, 16. Oh, sorry, Barnes, six. I do apologize. Yep. Thank you. And then, uh, yep. Jimenez, negative two. I obviously was looking at the wrong thing. Um, and it was a really 
terrible. It was like two yellows in succession uh, where he did the good old get in front of the ball as it's being kicked. I think we've all seen that in Sunday League football. Um, Dave's probably done it a couple of times. So, yeah, yeah, no, he has, absolutely. Uh, Richarlison, not, not for a second yellow, though, because I'm not completely no. fucking stupid. <laughs> uh, Richarlison, one point, nothing on the bench, uh, but the... The, 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 the person who really brought it home for him, um, Gilby. I'll let you talk about this person. Do you want to talk about this one? Yeah, well, interesting one because I was slated repeatedly for taking injured players and thought, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll wait one more week because Tielemans has pretty horrible fixtures coming up. Surely anyone that looks at the fixtures won't take him a week early while he's still injured. Nate does, has him injured for a week, which everyone's okay with, and then he comes in and scores 16 points which, yeah, just kind of tops it off for me, really. I think the thing that you forget now, uh, Gilby, is that Nathan listens to the podcast uh, and is more than happy to take those players who were yours who might do really well just to screw with you a little bit. So, um, you know, that's pretty much where it is for him at the moment and he's obviously cashed in because of it. Um, it was a great performance by Tillman, so, like, he's... Um, I remember having a, a, being really... Uh, when you picked him up in the draft, where you picked him up thinking, oh, that's that's not who I would have gone for. But he has been an absolute cracker this year. So it's it's showing that potential I think everyone knew he had. I, I was just looking at that and you, you were going through the points, but I remember getting a message from Nathan being like, oh man, I hope all my team plays. I don't want Jimenez coming off the bench for negative two. And then I responded to tell him that his team, Tottenham, had already confirmed their match wasn't happening. And he goes, oh, no. And then as a result, he gets 16 points to come off his bench from the second spot. So it turned out pretty well. But <laughs> It did. It did. Co- correct me if I'm wrong, but De Bruyne was obviously his first pick. Was Richarlison yeah. his second? No. Second was no? Pepe. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, he's no, long gone. That now. But if you look at his team now, Richarlison looks like he could be his second. It theoretically could have been his second round pick. So two of his, I guess, you could almost say marquee players get cancelled out by a negative two. So he only really had eight players and he got 80 points. It's pretty impressive. That is quite impressive. There's, I guess, across the rest of them, there is not a single miss there. So I'm not sure if Gilby finds it impressive, um, if I'm honest. Uh, would that be your summation, Gilby? Well, I mean, good luck to him. I mean, the luck's run with him. Gallagher has scored plenty. Yeah. Uh, Ramsdale scored plenty. And, I mean, if you'd have called that at the start of the season, you would have been able to write your own check. So, yeah. it's gone with him. So, good on him. He's he's sort of doing a little bit of, although he traded for Gallagher, he's doing a little bit of what Jeff did a while back where he picked up Salah when he first got into the league. He had Hazard as well and just ran away with it. Um you know, there's a lot of luck involved, obviously. And this is just one game week. And this is the first time he's really scored big, big points. But again, he's still doing it without De Bruyne doing anything. It's just, it's insane. So he's on a really good run. Um, you know, he's he's just a touch shy of 40 points behind the lead now. So I think he did pick know. up Cancelo early as well, didn't he? It was either his second or third pick. It was definitely his first defender. It was yeah. after I... I, th- I, thought he, I thought he picked him up yeah. second or third. But yeah, I mean, that's been an incredible pick for him. That's been like the linchpin of his team all yeah. season. Been the best defender in the league, or like arguably. Obviously, there's a few others there that you could argue maybe have been, but consistency wise, he's been insanely good. So, uh, yeah, 80 points in the game week, up to second. And Gilby, that's put you down into third. Now, Gilby, I 
I vividly remember having a look um, midway through the game week and you're on four points. So considering that, you've come back well. Uh, talk us through it. Yeah, no. Uh, only appearance points with Dawson appearing from my bench for a shutout with a yellow card. So he was the top scorer of my week with five and that was it. So, yeah, it was a pretty horrible week for me. Um, just one of those things that it is not going for me at all at the moment. Antonio hasn't scored since round nine. Yeah, it's crazy. Bamiang we've talked about. Um, DCL still not coming back for a few more weeks. Uh, Manchester United playing horribly and probably deserving to lose to Norwich. Um, yeah, that just kind of topped it off, really. So... I mean, when De Gea is your player of the match, um, when you're playing Norwich, that's just about sums up how well mm. Manchester United and my team are going at the moment. In good news, Aspilicueta finally got a run. That that must yeah, have filled well, you with pride. Well, when Chelsea is somehow now defending terribly. Um, yeah, um, all those shutout points I could have had, no. Oh. Gilby. Well, look, you were fourth at one point. Uh, in the round, so you know you've you've managed to hang on to the third. Still got a little bit of a gap over Jeff in fourth. Uh, had a good week as well, fifty-one points in the game week. Obviously, that was uh, uh, you know Salah was a big part of that. Uh, Sterling who got a penalty and some bonus points. Bernardo as well on six points. Uh, White, Van Dyke, Alonso all picking up some points. Allison picking up some points, and then his forwards really doing nothing. Vardy not playing, and he having nothing in his. Um, from his bench at all. Um, De Gea got 10 points on left on his bench for Allison, who got six, so he could have picked up a few more points there. Uh, I, I love it that Bamford's now re-injured after he was trying to um, tell me that uh, Mane Bamford was a like-for-like. Uh, I, I, I just think that's beautiful karma. Um, but, you know, still chugging along with 51 points. So he's 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 on, his, on the up. He's Did got... you notice who his top scorer was again at all? Uh, top scorer? Oh, yeah. Mick, did you notice? You didn't. Do you want to have a guess? It, and it wasn't Havertz. Yep, yep. No, yeah, I do know. <laughs> um, can, I, can we cut uh, Gilby's statement before? All I remember is you guys slating me for having him all the time. <laughs> you just had him at the wrong time. Exactly. That so is, we, that, that's, that's the best way you can put it. I had him. I was just. I was so ahead of the game. I was not in the game. You were too far ahead of the game, really. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunate. Look, he's looked pretty good recently. So it'll be interesting to see uh, whether Grealish can, you know, get his way back into the squad plus a few others. Um, I, I did find wait, it surprising. He was on penalties. He's not. Who else to was on me, the field? Uh, honestly, I couldn't. I'll, I'll find out for Bernardo you. Bernardo was. I don't know if Bernardo's taken any before. I, I do find it strange. Like he's he's not in my head anyway. I don't I don't have him as a traditional penalty taker. So, um, like guys in the team that I would have had generally before him, you've got Jesus, you've got um, Gundogan, obviously KDB if he's there. Um, Gundogan was on the field, played sixty three minutes. That so might have happened after that. Um, Phil Foden was on the field. KDB got brought on. Jack Relish was on. So I guess, yeah, maybe Rodri was there, but I guess he's not really that either. But Jesus was. Um, so, I, I mean, I personally would have had Jesus taking it first. Maybe there's some, I guess, team discussion about, similar to Ronaldo and Fernandez about who takes them. Maybe it's yeah. just a 
spur of the moment thing, but I personally, and that does hurt me even more that I had Jesus and he didn't take it. But Mick, can you remember the game week that you made that trade by chance? With Jeff? Yeah. I can find out for you. Um, only, only reason is I'm looking at it and from first 11 game weeks. 12. Okay. Before Sorry, 12? Li- no, it was in the 12th. So Jeff has had him from week 12 on. Oh no, that makes it even worse for you. So from game weeks 1 to 11, uh, he scored 19 points. Yep. Um, since then, he's gone on to score, what's that, 11, uh, 16, uh, 23, 34 Please stop points. Counting. Please stop <laughs> counting. Three goals and an assist in five weeks. Um, so it's not pretty reading for you. I'm sorry, Mick. Uh yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but uh, Jeff's definitely profited from that one at the, this point in time. I mean, it could all change after Christmas once uh, everything goes back to normal and Guardiola decides that he doesn't like Sterling anymore, but uh, we'll just have to I wait I still and remember, see. I think it was you, Isaac, who was the most vociferous in saying, please oh, yeah. drop Sterling every week. So, yeah. Yeah, but, but you've That's... got to realise that 11 weeks, he absolutely did nothing. So it was probably fair enough I was saying that. I don't know. It's fun. The most frustrating <laughs> thing is I also got Jorginho in that trade, who I've just counted. Gundogan has 20 oh, points no. in that time. Jorginho has something like 27 points in that time. I immediately dropped Jorginho as well. Okay. So, I mean, that is on you. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. on you. Um, And I mean, to be fair, like, you know, I've been consistent at least because I've done the same thing with you, Gilby. Um, and I would still say drop, drop, uh, uh, DCL, but um, look, Fords have done nothing anyway. But you know, I'll, I'll be consistent. I'll keep saying it to you. And if if DCL comes back and scores like a ton of points, well, the I told you so. I'm happy to take. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, as we said, if I had dropped DCL and taken Dennis, um, it'd be a different table at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. That's very very true. Um. Well, let's go on to fifth, and that is you, Mick. You've climbed up, climbed up into fifth spot, sixty-three points. Um, run us through it. Yeah, uh, another strong week for myself. Um, second, I think overall, made up fourteen points on the top. Broke away from Dave, made up what twenty-six points there. Um, so I'm a bit ahead now. So overall, my team most points came from Madison, sixteen. So I picked up in week ten. Um, so he's really seemed to have turned a corner there. Um, and Tierney, another 12-pointer. I think that's two 12s in a row. So going through that conversation we just had, and I think it was two weeks ago tonight where I was tossing and turning between Shaw and Tierney, and in those two weeks, one's got 24 points and one has zero. So I think I fortunately made the correct decision there in which one to drop. Um, that's, I guess, one of those flip of a coins that went the right way for me and it's not one that would have really affected anyone. Um, someone else could have picked it up in the meantime, but hopefully that means Tierney's more nailed on now. Tavares has had his time, and surely they're not going to drop Tierney. He's had two clean sheets and two assists in two weeks. So um, with that as well, I picked up Lindelof. He got a clean sheet, even though he's now out of my team um, with chest pains that not COVID-related. I'm not sure what's happening. Kufal got me six as well. Saka got me a, an assist for five, um, and Ronaldo took another penalty to get nine. Apart from that, Gundogan and Fornells both came off the bench for one. Ward-Prowse got me two for 
something like the eighth straight week. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks in a row. He's got two. He's got one, three in that time. So um, he is now out of the team, which wouldn't have come up a minute ago in our waiver wire because it happened while this podcast was happening. Um, and an Emmy Buendia from Villa has come into the team. So that's happened as well. I figure two points out, Buendia will make an appearance at least. So worst case scenario, I'm one point down with a significant upside. So that's what's happening there. Um, yeah, overall, a couple of big scorers, 28 from Tierney and Madison and nine from Ronaldo and 63 points is nice, especially when I would say overall it was quite a low-scoring week apart from Nathan. So slowly moving up the leaderboard, I hope it keeps going because, I mean, there's still more than half a season left. If I can keep going, I can still put myself up in the reckoning. And uh, let's move on to Dave. Do you hope that that still keeps going? No. No? Okay. Well, you, you've unfortunately been overtaken uh, by Mick this week. 37 points for your game week. <laughs> Um, you know, you you are back in the saddle as manager after a few weeks away. Really, um, what are your changes? What, what, what you know, what are you going to do to resurrect your season? I think, like I mentioned earlier, I need to start looking at some of those higher variance uh, solutions, like Fabinho, um, like not Fabinho. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but. I don't know. It's it's a weird one. I look at my squad and I don't feel like it is that poor. Like I've got great keeper rotation, like Fabianski and Martinez. If you're not going to have someone like an Allison, then you want perfect rotation like I've got. Um, I've got, you know, Livramento who's been performing above average. I've got TAA. Um, Grealish is probably slightly underperformed, um, but my midfield's solid. Um, I've got Son, who obviously didn't play because of the whole COVID situation, but he's been solid all year. I've got Wilson. I, I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel like my squad is that bad. I think big thing, and this is going to sound really dumb based on my tactics at the moment, but you could say if we, again, soundbite Gilby, say, two, three weeks ago, same thing. It's one of those things that sitting on a team, even if it seems like it should be good, sometimes it isn't a good thing to do. It almost, even though it feels like making a trade for the sake of making a trade, I think sometimes you almost need to do that. Um, and I say that, and I think in the last three weeks, in terms of our waivers, I haven't put a trade in until the last minute when I've learned more about what's happening. So I say that coming from a position where I'm doing almost the same thing, but I think sometimes it's a case of you do need to rotate for the sake of rotating. Um, and I've said it before in terms of our kind of tactics, and this is a new way we're doing things, but having that kind of last position for your defenders and mids as a rotating position I think is a really good thing. So you can bounce between a Brighton defender against a Norwich or a Burnley defender against a Watford or something like that. So a team that's a mid-table team getting a def- good defender or an attacking defender or even just a, an, an aerial threat defender like a Tarkowski or a Saez or a Johnny Evans, um, who I'm pretty sure are all available in our waiver, if they've got a Norwich, that's the type of player where 
for a one hit, you do it immediately. Um, I think that's something that we don't do enough of. Um, and I guess I'm trying to somewhat a little bit more. And I guess the best example of that is my goalkeepers at the moment. Now, that was forced because of injuries of really bad run of fixtures. Um, but I think that kind of chop and change is something that we should all probably be looking at more rather than being like, no, no, it'll come good. It'll come good because unless you give him to Jeff, they do not come good. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I would, I would I'd agree with what you're saying because I look at your team and you've got like six or seven players who are like, are above 50 points. And I've included Grealish in there who would have got above that if he hadn't got injured. Um, so, like, your squad, yeah, is a good squad. They're, they're going to get points. Um, I'm a big advocate for having two or three players who you're happy to just trade in and out to yeah. pick up points. Like, you get, get the points. Like, that's the big thing for me. Go out and get the points. And if you've got three players who you're happy to trade in and out to get the points, then that would be my advice. Just go and do it. Just you know, bank on yeah. bank on getting some points elsewhere. The I guess the tactic that I've taken aside from that is you can have and you know it's typically going to be your defender, your fifth defender. Let's say that's going to be your rotation player. Um, I've taken the alternative tack of having two players in a reasonably good side that are rotation risks. So someone like Christensen and a Walker, where you're hoping that one of them plays, as opposed to having a fourth defender that's nailed on for two points a week and a rotating fifth. So two ways of looking at it, but I mean, based on how things are going for me, maybe I have taken the wrong approach. Yeah, I think I, I can see the the... I guess, uh, logic in that. I guess one is you're committing to the team you have and you've got no chance to change it. You're just really hoping that continues. And yep. when you've got... Man City have been good defensively and Chelsea had been, but I think the last couple of weeks that's kind of dropped. And yep. when that happens, well, what are you going to do now? Because to get out of this, you almost need to get rid of both. That's yep. the hard... It's a hard... You've committed to it. And that, that's, I guess, your problem with that strategy. The um, yep. thing I wanted to point out, though, is you're currently rocking two double up on West Ham mids. Yep. Something you're going to hold. I know Suchek was a short-term pickup, or was that part of the trade with Isaac or something? Um, oh, no, that was, Suchek was uh, a trade-in. Um, he I went to me originally. On... Yeah, he went to me originally, and then I dropped him, and Dave's picked him back up. Oh, okay, so it was at Dave and then left and came back. Okay, planning to keep both of them still? Yeah, so I brought in Sushek. When I was looking at my midfielders and uh, off the top of my head, I can't even remember which one it was that I dropped for him. Uh, but when I picked him up, out of the available players, uh, I picked him up almost entirely based on fixtures. So, you know, they're coming up running, coming fixtures. They've got Arsenal this week. Um, but other than that, they've got four green fixtures over the next five. The other one that's not green is Crystal Palace away. Um, yeah, good fixtures, so mm. definitely going to hold on to him for a few if, weeks. If I was in your position, Dave, my tact would be I would be looking at Christensen, Livermento, Norgard, who I know you've now traded out anyway, and Suchek as the four players that I would continually – like I'd be looking for better value and points based on uh, – 
particular games or you know matchups that you like and think yep. you're going to get good points i'd just be getting like every week at this point in time four four those four out new four in and just keep going that until you you hit on a mixture that works for a period of time and then you can go for it again type of thing that's just the like that's what i'd probably be looking at at doing personally in that in your situation now yep but like mick said it's very hard once you've got say a chelsea defender even though they're a rotation risk but it's very hard once you've got a player from one of those top three or four teams to drop them regardless of what the situation may be and yeah but chalaba's always available every second week <laughs> yeah that's so. right every second week yep <laughs> that's true Anyway, oh, very good. Well, and, um, and the other thing I was going to say as well is if Son actually played, you would be in the 40 points. You'd probably be even close to, to 50 points for the game week. So you're going to pick up that double game week somewhere along the line, which will you know help your cause. Yeah, and when you say that, so you know, if I'm in, let's say, 45-point range, um, I think everyone agrees that whilst Nathan's team is good, he definitely overperformed this week. And... Mick probably overperformed this week. And he overperforms every week. Yeah, so, you know, when you think about it that way, then, I mean, I got, what, 37, but, yeah, it's probably below my, I don't know, XG, whatever, XP, whatever, <laughs> I don't know, what's what's the metric I'm looking for? Well, we yeah, get to anyway. make it up, so whatever yeah, we you want. Yeah, make it up. XP, yeah. XP is good. <laughs> very good um so yeah i don't actually think i went through my team but i got points from um clean sheet from fabianski uh and dallo although he got a yellow card so that was only five points uh taa had clean sheet but also the three bonus for nine and everyone else was pretty much just uh appearance points with a few extra in there for clean sheets in the midfield. So yeah, nothing really to write home about. That moves us into um, seventh place this week, uh, which is Dan. Uh, he picked up 44 points. Um, so no movement really there for him. Uh, let's have a look through his team. Saar, four points. His goalkeeper, Maguire, six. Tomiyasu, six. So some uh, some good points there from his back. James, unfortunately, was out. So he picked up zero and no one came off his... Oh, actually, hold on. He mustn't have come He zero. played. He played and got uh, goal conceded and yellow cards taken away. So zero, which, you know, he would have had uh, some better points come off his bench, but uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Uh, Fred with three... New signing for him, Mbuemo with nine. So finally got some points out of Mbuemo, which I'm sure he's very happy about. Uh, Bowen with a three. First time he's played blanked in a little while. Odegaard, eight points. So I think that's two goals in two game weeks for Odegaard, um, which he'd, uh, three and three actually, which he'd be very, very happy with. Uh, King with two, Lukaku with one. Hopefully Lukaku might come back and actually play uh, a full game in the near future, which I'm sure Dan will be very much looking forward to. Uh, but left... Uh, Jansen on the bench with eight points, uh, which would have been very handy for him uh, in this particular game week. So 44 points, nothing to sneeze at, but I'm sure he would be looking for a few more points to get himself out of that bottom two. I just wanted to point out that, obviously, he dropped Nick Pope and picked up Jose Sarr, and I've briefly spoken to him, but I haven't got a full answer out of him. But 
I don't quite understand why he brought in a Wolverhampton keeper with the run of fixtures they're about to go on. Um, Save points, baby. I don't know. Well, they just played. They just played Liverpool and City, and I think he had them for the City game, not Liverpool one. Then it's Brighton, Chelsea, Watford, Arsenal, Man U. Like Brighton and Watford, you could argue, okay, they're not too bad, but Chelsea, Arsenal, Man U, two of those away from home, one at home. That's an awful run. Now he does have Loris as well, so that's obviously there. But I just didn't understand why he'd bring in Jose Sarr in a week he knew Tottenham didn't have a game to play against Chelsea, uh, not Chelsea, to City. Um, it's to me, it seemed like a bit of a strange one. Um, don't fully know, but I think did he bring in Jensen this week as well, and then left him on the bench? So I'm a bit, I'm a bit not necessarily. I wouldn't say confused, but I don't quite understand why. I don't want to say why bother, but why bother going into the transfer market to pick up a player to not play? Surely you're generally picking up, particularly at this stage where our squads are semi-settled. You've got some that are long-term, some are, you won't leave your team, You generally your first-round picks. You've got some that are your mid- to long-term, and then some short-term that you're going to change in and out. Now, those in-and-outs, particularly when you're at the bottom, should be way more frequent. Those people mid-table to, I guess, higher up the table, where you're looking less short-term because you don't have the pick of it, and you're looking for, okay, maybe not necessarily just this week, but the next three, four weeks, this guy has a good run of forms compared to this guy. So I think that's how it has to look. And to me, it seems a bit strange that Dan's picking up players, not playing them, and then dropping them the week after. It's not quite sure the point of it. Um, maybe there's some logic in there that I'm missing, but if we're not, if yeah, if you're going to keep the other players in the team and still play them anyway. Could have just held the original player. Yeah, very, very true. And we'll have to get the man himself on at some point in time and he can uh, answer some of those questions for us. I'm sure he's he's uh, really looking to, you know, get out of the, that bottom two. Um, and, you know, if we keep going, obviously Ben, um, who we have had on recently, uh, 33 points this game week, still at the bottom. Um, looking at his team, uh Unfortunately for him, uh, zero points with the Bravka, who played but got a um, goals conceded. Uh, Loton uh, with seven points, um, Mount with six points, Dennis with nine points. But that's really where it it, it stops looking good for Ben at this point in time. Um, and you know everyone else just sort of came in with appearance points. Um, someone like St Maximum, for example, has obviously been quite disappointing really in the the last few game weeks for him. Uh, he had been scoring quite well, but Newcastle have been disappointing. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure he's he's looking to make some uh, ground and get off that bottom uh, of the ladder. Is Kane the biggest disappointment of the year? Probably even bigger. with De Bruyne. Yeah. De Bruyne has reason. He hasn't played. Sterling. Havertz. <laughs> in, in two ways for Mick. Kane has 33 <laughs> points. Sterling, as Isaac very politely just pointed out, has scored that in his last four games or five games. Yeah. So. He's, he's been a has, disappointment for Mick twice. Kane like, that's has pretty impressive. Six, Kane has 60% of Sterling's points. In, and Sterling has probably played something like 60% of the minutes that Kane has. It should be the other way around. So I agree, KDB, yes, he's been disappointing, but 
he hasn't been on the pitch to be disappointing. I, I think yeah. there's a difference there. And Kane, one, like out of his 33 points, 12 of them came in one game. Was that so, week one? Week eight versus Newcastle. Okay. Yeah. Like what? he's done nothing. If you had Ben's team, hmm. what's your move? Is Kane, are you looking to trade Kane? Well, I mean, are you holding he's... him now for dear life? I think it's a it's a great, I guess, uh, stock term, crypto term, HODL, HODL, hold on for dear life. <laughs> Is Maybe Ben's really into crypto and we just don't know about it. Well, Mick, this sounds like a good uh, segment next week for Bold Strategy Cotton. So we might maybe, we might, maybe we might leave idea. that for next week and we can discuss what the strategy should be for Kane. Um, and that'll be next week's Bold Strategy Cotton segment. So that'll... That's one for the kids to look out for next week. I'm sure everyone will be uh, waiting with bated breath for that. Um, but boys, I think it's probably about time that we look at next week's fixtures. Um, I'll go through them really quickly. I want you to pick the one game again that you think you're looking forward to in terms of fantasy points. I want to be fantasy points specific. And let's quickly go through those. So we've got Norwich, Aston Villa. Oh, yes, Mick. Sorry. Are we picking one game out of the next two rounds? Because there's going to be two rounds between now and next pod. It's true, there are. Um, I think time-wise and for... Pick one out of the two rounds? I like it. One out of the two rounds. Let's go with that. Um, So, I'll go through this round really quickly. This round is Norwich, Aston Villa, Man City versus Leeds, Brighton versus Wolves, Burnley, Watford, Crystal Palace versus Southampton, Arsenal versus West Ham, Leicester versus Spurs, Chelsea versus Everton, and Liverpool versus Newcastle. Guys, does anything stick out there, or do you want me to go into the next one really quickly? The thing that sticks out is the uh, fixture that you failed to mention because it's been postponed. Ah, yes. Well, I don't think anyone's picking that one for fantasy returns um, this week, if I'm honest. But thank you, Dave, for for pointing that out. I do appreciate it. Uh, Let's go on to next week, or the next game week, sorry, uh, is... What have we got? Man United, Brighton, Villa, Burnley, Southampton, Brentford, Watford, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Norwich, Leeds, Arsenal, Everton, Leicester, Wolves, Chelsea, Newcastle, Man City, and Spurs, Liverpool. So, guys, I want you to pick one game out of these two game weeks and uh, tell me why it's going to be the best for fantasy uh, points. Mick, off to you. Uh, really quickly, Liverpool-Newcastle, massive points going to happen there, but I don't think it's going to be a shock to anyone. Um, I think Everton-Leicester, which is the weekend games, both teams, and I say this after they've just kept clean sheets, seem to be very much scoring lots without defending well. So I think that could be a high-scoring game, which may be a hint towards a multi. Um, but the game that I think has the most value well, I guess fantasy wise, um, Arsenal West Ham. Now that's that's a midweek game. Really interested to see how the teams line up. West Ham have been rotating a little bit more now. I've got Fournals in my squad. Um, he's played the last two off the bench. Lanzini's been coming in a little bit more, um, and they still have Vlasic, who made a move from the Russian league earlier this year and has barely really made an impact. Um, as well as Ben Rama, as well as Bowen, as well as Antonio. So. Lots of attacking threat. Interesting to see how they line up, as well as now having heard about Aubameyang, seeing what happens with Arsenal. So I think that's the one for me that I'll be keeping an eye out for. Very good. Dave, which one for you? 
Man City leads leads have been kind of trash. Man City are at home. Uh, they've been whatever the inverse of kind of trash is. I think they'll possibly put four or more past leads. There we go. Gilby, what have you got for us? Well, speaking of putting four or more past teams, there is only one remaining Premier League team that has yet to record a clean sheet. Do you want to guess what that team is? Watford. It is indeed. So I'm going to say... Um, Sorry, you said guess. Sorry, I knew that. That wasn't a guess. I lied. There you go. So I'm going to say Chris Wood is going to lead a revival of my team and score on Watford this week. And then next week... Patrick, Patrick. I'll put it in the multi. It's not going to happen. Hang on, hang on. And then next it's, week, it's Watford against... hosts Crystal Palace. So I'm going to say not only Wood is going to score him this week, I'm going to say Benteke is going to score on them next week. No, nah, you're wrong. Ooh. Your first one's wrong, and I'll tell you why, Gilby. You've brought in Chris Wood, so he won't play. It'll actually be Vidra that plays, ex-Watford. I won't say legend, but he did have one brilliant season with us, and it's you know it would be peak Watford to have Vidra come in and score against Watford. I feel like I feel like every player in the Premier League played for Watford had one good season and been shipped out. Does that sound about right? I mean. If we can get money for them after their one good season, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I mean, they, at least they last a season, unlike our managers. Good point. Good point. Um, so I guess that leaves me. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Man City Newcastle in the next game week after this one. Um, I think Man City will just absolutely dispose of them unceremoniously, and uh, there will be fantasy points aplenty in that game um, and Newcastle will just be counting down the days till they can actually sign some decent players um, and still get relegated. So, you know, that'll be, that'll be fun for everybody. Um, Mick, you're, you're, you're working away there. Uh, the multi, how's it looking? I love when I've got it set up and then it disappears. Anyway, I do have one. <laughs> I have I have the one for the first game, yeah, okay. first game of the round. Okay, good. Um, first, sorry, first week midweek round. Now, I'm kind of doing this because well, I don't want it to happen, <laughs> and I'm really good at picking things that don't happen. So, <laughs> I've gone and I've given this team a bit of a a, a a plug already. Norwich have turned a corner, and I love the phrase "turn a corner." I use it all the time. I will point that out. Um, Norwich have been really good defensively. Dean Smith going back to his old club from about three weeks ago. Emi Buendia, the guy I just picked up, went from Norwich to Villa in the off-season. So they're playing against each other from different teams from last year. Um, but I think it's going to be a game where Norwich are going to set up a low block. Villa are going to struggle to score. Villa are really going to be attacking, I think, after getting maybe on the score sheet, not pummeled, but um, I guess with all the run of play, Liverpool were all over them. So I've got a nil-all draw here. Correct score, nil-all draw. But to add my value in, I've got there's going to be a red card in this match. So I'm going to throw it out there. Um, now, I did see Marvellous Nakamba has got COVID or has some injury or a knee injury for um, Villa, which Douglas Louise will probably play that slightly deeper role. He's been more attacking, which I think means John McGinn for yourself might actually move upfield a little bit more, which is good. But I think Douglas Louise is the type of guy who could get a red card. 
Um, I'd be happy if that was okay. I'd be really happy if it was Mings or Consa because that would both be funny. Good for my team to catch up. Great for uh, Gilby just to hear him next week if that were to happen. Um, or Target, that'd be even funnier. If it was Cash, less funny because he's in my team. Um, but the other one I had, which I don't actually have at four at the moment, but it was the Everton-Leicester game. Um, now, I'm, from memory, it wasn't quite at the 38-1 to mark, but it was that it would be a very high-scoring game. I think it was over three and a half I had, but it was all going to come in the second half. So the first, only one goal in the first half, three or four goals in the second half, and I also had it to, there was another part to that that I can't remember. I'm going to say it was those two and it was about 30 to one because there was something else and it was 35, but I can't think of it right now. And it takes me too long to bring it up again. So could it have been DCL getting injured while sitting in the stands? <laughs> well, I can add that one in, but that says uh, 1.00. So it's a sure thing. Um, it won't actually add any value to it. Oh, no, actually, it's already got a green tick. It's already come off, Gilby. Oh, there you go. Well, speaking of odds, <laughs> I was actually going to finish as well and say that for the manager sack race, um, who do you think is the favourite to be sacked next? Claudio Ranieri. Not quite. <laughs> Eddie? No. Oh. The favourite is at $1.20 is Rafa Benitez. Yeah, um, he was booed by the crowd when subbing off for Charlison. Yeah. Um, and then in second is Hassan Huddle from Southampton at $7. And third is your old mate Ranieri at $8, who's only managed, what has it been, maybe four or five games, but he's third favourite to be sacked next. Yeah, but, I mean, we've mentioned this before, those games that he has managed have been against Man City, Chelsea, Leicester. Manchester United will ignore Brentford. <laughs> I don't think that matters when it comes down to the Watford board, but hey, you know you know more than me, so we'll see how we go. Uh, I look forward to none of those things actually happening this week. I think that's uh, always a, a, a fair bet. So uh, Mick, thank you very much for that. Much appreciated. Um, boys, as always, it's a pleasure. And uh, let's hope that uh, COVID doesn't strike too bad and we do get to see uh, a fair few games over the next couple of game weeks. And then we can do this all again next week. So thanks very much, boys. And uh, we will catch you then. See ya.